This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. Unfortunately, not joined this week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, who is over in Belgium for this weekend's glory kickboxing card. A fantastic night of kickboxing, or afternoon if you're here on the East Coast like myself, planned. Going toe-to-toe, really, with the uh, UFC's card this weekend, which is an afternoon card. Unfortunately, if you're in Canada, it will not be airing on TSN, but will be available to UFC Fight Pass subscribers. So make sure you check it out there. Fantastic event with a lot of the top talent from Europe, all in one place on one card at the O2 Arena. It's going to be crazy in there. They've been waiting two-plus years for a return to the other side of the pond. In fact, the first event planned for when the pandemic hit was supposed to be at the O2 Arena, if I'm not mistaken. Leon Edwards versus Tyron Woodley, and it got canceled basically when fighters were already there. I think Tyron Woodley was already in the UK when that cancellation came through. So they're finally back this coming weekend. But before we get to that, let's talk about this past weekend's card. Magomed Ankalaev defeats Thiago Santos via unanimous decision. Now, this was kind of an interesting one because you have to look at it from both sides if you're Magomed Ankalaev here. Side A, if you're a cassette or a piece of vinyl, is that he got the win. He was strategic. He did not exert that much energy in getting the win. was very economic with his energy. Didn't go to the wrestling as much as I'm sure many would have expected him to. But got the win. Outpointed Tiago Santos. I don't think anybody would be able to give three of those rounds to Tiago Santos. In fact, one of the judges gave the first round to Tiago Santos, which I can't wrap my head around. But be that as it may, Uncle Ive gets the win. The flip side is, if you look at that night of fighting, you had that great knockout from Song Yedong that immediately preceded it. You had that wild body kick by Khalil Roundtree against uh, Carl Robertson. You had Drew Dober's incredible comeback in the first round against Terrence McKinney, who came flying out of the gates at him. You had a lot of really interesting fights and a lot of really strong finishes leading up to that main event. Everybody was, you know, everybody had their motors going. We were excited. And then Ankalaev basically just had a very, very strategic and I guess the word I used before was economical win over Thiago Santos. So what does that do for Ankalaev? Well, if you're trying to assert yourself as the top contender in the light heavyweight division, he said he wanted a title shot with a win over Santos. You, you didn't do that. You, you got your five rounds in. You wanted to show that you could go five rounds. That's great. But you left people with a bad taste in their mouth, which is never the way you want to go about getting a title shot. It's so rare to see fighters get title shots off of performances like this when there are other fighters in the mix. And there are a lot of fighters in the mix in the light heavyweight divisions. Actually, with John Jones out as champion, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches considering how hard it was to find challengers for John Jones as the years went on. We've got a lot of fighters at the top of that light heavyweight division, uh, some of whom have never competed for a title, one of which is Magomed Ankalaev now. But I think now, if you are the UFC and you're looking to schedule fights, I don't think that they're going to book Ankalaev for an immediate title fight after a performance like that. I just think that they wanted to see more. They want to get. They want somebody who's going to get the fans excited. And even though Ankalaev is now on, I believe it's a nine-fight win streak, eight or nine-fight win streak, he does not get that designation after a win like that. 
you look at the top of that division, I mean, Glover's going to be facing Yuri Prokhazhka next. We're going to have a matchup between Jan Bojovic and Alexander Rakic. And I think Rakic has the opportunity to make some noise if he's able to win that fight. And Jan Bojovic as well. I mean, you could, he could set himself up for a rematch. And then you've got some others in this division. Uh, Jamal Hill coming off of an incredible knockout win. Looked fantastic in his fight. Um, you've got Paul Craig, who's competing this weekend. He could make some noise if he's able to get a win over ninth-ranked Nikhil Krylov, and Krylov himself, also ranked ninth, looking to move his way up. So there are a lot of different fighters that I think can make some noise here. To me, this is the way I would match it up from here. I, I would take Ankalaev. I'd match him up against Anthony Smith, four versus five. And I'd take Thiago Santos, now ranked sixth, and put him against Dominic Reyes, six versus seven. I think those are two really strong matchups that you can make for those fighters that will kind of tell us where they're at in terms of uh, their... Uh, their, their status right now. I know Volkan Uzdemir, if I recall, was booked. I'm going to look that up. Now, I'm trying to remember who he was booked against. Uh, let's see. No, I guess he's not booked. Um, so th- those are how those are the ways that I would book the division. I would also take Jamal Hill and put him against Uzdemir. I think that would be an awesome fight. Um, you could also, hey, if you really want to bump Jamal Hill up, you have him face Ankalaev. I mean, that's another option. So there are a lot of ways you can mix and match this light heavyweight division. In the lead-up to the June pay-per-view main event, that's UFC 275. I think that sounds about right. 275 is June. And rumored to be in Singapore uh, between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prokhazhka. Fantastic light heavyweight fight. I can't, can't wait for that one. It's going to be a great one. So that's where we stand with Ankalaev now. I think that he showed what he can do. He showed that he can go five rounds. He showed that he can be the top guy in Thiago Santos' butt. He did so in kind of a ho-hum fashion. I think that's going to hurt his stock from here because I was really excited about Ankalaev. Most people that I saw betting on this fight had Ankalaev winning inside the distance. I don't think a lot of people th- thought this would go five rounds. In fact, Thiago Santos' last two fights, both going five rounds, is a, a real shocker. The Johnny Walker fight and now this one. Have a sip of my coffee. Let's continue. Song Yudong defeating Marlon Moraes. Two minutes and six seconds into the first round. This was a... Fun fight for as long as it lasted, and, you know, it really pains me to see Marlon Moraes go out like this. Has lost four in a row. Four, all four by TK or KO. Took all this time away from his family to train in Thailand, only to last under half a round with Song Yudong. Uh, tough, tough way to see Marlon Moraes go out after having ascended to the title picture where he lost to Henry Cejudo for the title. But, you know, this is this is not the same Marlon Moraes that we had seen in years past. And I, I don't know what he's going to be able to do to bounce back. They pay him a lot of money. I'm eager to see what's next for him. He seemed to take off his gloves after that loss. Now, I don't know if that was out of frustration or if he was hinting at retirement. But I still think Marlon Moraes is a solid fighter. It just seems like they keep putting him up against these up-and-coming guys. I mean, let's look at his last four fights. Song Yudong, who I thought was probably his easiest matchup, of the four, and I mean, we saw how that ended. Um, Yudong seems to be improving at a, a pretty rapid rate. Uh, Marab Dwalashvili defeats him in the second round. Rob Font defeats him in the first round. We saw how good Font has looked uh, up until his recent bout against Jose Aldo. Corey Sanhagen lost uh, by TKO to Sanhagen, another guy who, who recently fought for the title. And then a split decision win over Jose Aldo, which I think a lot of people thought was a, a questionable decision. Now, if he would have lost that to Aldo, we're talking about six straight losses. And prior to the Cejudo fight, he had only lost five times, right? So 
he would have lost five times between the years of 2007 and 2019. So 12 years would have lost five times. And basically, he's lost five times um, from the Zahudo fight onward, five of his last six. And that could have been six in a row if the decision would have swung the other way. In a, what was a, was a pretty close fight, but I think the majority of people thought that Aldo had won that fight. We'll see where Song Yudong goes from here. He is a, a dynamic fighter who I think has a lot of upside. He is now ranked ninth in the division. Marlon Moraes drops all the way down to 14th. Wow. But you look at who's around him. The guy's ranked from 9 to 14. Pedro Munoz, Frankie Edgar, Sean O'Malley, Ricky Simone, Marais, and then Hafel Sunsau. Now, we've seen the Sunsau and Marais fight twice, so let's scrap that one. But I think if you take any of those other guys and put them against Marlon Marais, that's a good matchup. It just depends on whether or not Marlon Marais wants to keep this going. In fact, I even think Dominic Cruz would be a good matchup at number seven for Marlon Marais. I just think that Cruz is probably uh, looking to face someone who's ranked closer to him. So we'll see how that all pans out with uh, Marlon Marais. But yeah, tough way to see him go out. Uh, a fighter that has always been really exciting to watch and a lot of fun. And also a, a real nice guy. You know, speaking to him last week, I, uh, I enjoyed my time with, with Marlon. Moving up a division to featherweight, Sadiq Youssef defeats Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy. 30-27, 29-28. I think you could have given Caceres the first round, but I don't fault anybody who, who didn't. Uh, a closer fight than the scorecards would indicate for sure, but definitely Sadiq Youssef's win. I would say, in that fight. And uh, now Sadiq Youssef continues to move up the featherweight ladder, now ranked 11th. The, the weird thing here is, you look at the featherweight division rankings, and they have Ilya Tapuria ranked 15th. They move him up, they move Caceres down, but Tapuria's fighting at lightweight this weekend. What are we doing here? You, you couldn't have picked someone else to put in at number 15? You have to take somebody who you know is leaving the division? The people that do these rankings sometimes, just they baffle me. You just completely like that, that's a mind-boggling decision to put Tapuria in the top fifteen if you're doing the rankings, when you know that he's fighting this weekend at lightweight. I digress. I get fired up about these rankings, even though they're virtually meaningless. But for whatever reason, it's the methodology that annoys me about them. How like I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get hung up on that because I will be frustrated, and you guys don't need to hear me echo my frustrations over and over again about the flaws with the ranking system. I kind of got off that hill. That wasn't the hill I was willing to die on. They, they changed the way that the rankings were done. They added a lot more people, but they made them less transparent. I used to be able to just call these people out for who they were. You'd see so-and-so voted that Ilya Tapuria should be the 12th-ranked guy in the featherweight division or whatever. And I'd be like, well, he's fighting this weekend at lightweight. Why are you ranking him? Be that as it may. And he's staying at, feather, at lightweight, lightweight. It's not like he's having a cup of coffee there. Light heavyweight fight, Khalil Roundtree. This was, I think, the performance that made the most noise of any on this card. He defeats Carl Roberson. Second round, body kick and punches. It looked like he entered Super Scion mode entering that second round. He was just on fire. Couldn't be stopped. And I spoke to Khalil Roundtree last week. I had such a great conversation with him. If you missed out on the TSN MMA show interview edition from last week, I recommend you catching up on that particular interview. Just a very unique guy. I did a great interview with Ariel as well this week that was an hour long. That's, you know, six times the amount of time that I spent with him. But just good to get a taste of what this guy's all about because I think he's one of the really interesting people in this sport. And I was 
can't say I was surprised to see Sean Strickland rip him this week because Sean Strickland seems to have zero filter on what he says and is pretty unapologetic uh, about that part of himself. But uh, wasn't... Uh, I mean, his reasons for not liking Khalil Roundtree seem like the kind of reasons why you would like somebody. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are like, yeah, Sean Strickland doesn't like him. He's probably a bad guy. I don't think people have that, uh, that mentality. So, yeah, take it at what you, you know, interpret it how you may when Sean Strickland is the, uh, the messenger. But Roundtree, uh, just a big win for him. Is he ranked right now at light heavyweight? No. Probably should be, though. But it's hard to... You know, how do you put him against just Dustin Jacoby, a guy who has a massive win streak right now? Crute, Ryan Spann. Like, I think he needs to beat one of these guys in the rankings in order to get there. I don't know if a, a win over Carl Robertson, who was primarily a middleweight pre- previous to this, uh, gets him there. But says he wants to fight three times this year. I'm eager to see what he brings to the table next time around because uh, he's a, a really fun fighter to watch. One of the a few successes I had with my TSN edge picks from last week. But uh, we, we, we chug along... And uh, hopefully this week we will have more success. Those picks will be out on uh, tsn.ca slash UFC as well as social media in the, uh, I think, tomorrow probably. Tomorrow being Thursday. Moving on, Drew Dober defeats Terrence McKinney. McKinney threw the kitchen sink and then some at Drew Dober to open this fight off. up. Got tired and Drew Dober capitalized, turned the tables on him, and uh, was able to get a win. At 3 minutes and 17 seconds into the first round. I mean, Drew Dober, this guy's got a chin on him because McKinney was nailing him with some big shots. And I think Terrence McKinney will learn a lot from that loss. I think there's, you know, you, you gain a lot from a win like over Drew Dober, a guy who uh, had been ranked. I don't know if he's still ranked at lightweight. I don't believe he is. Uh, let's take a look. I have the rankings in front of me. Nope, not ranked. But a guy who I believe had been ranked at lightweight. You would you would gain a lot from that win. But, and, and I mean, the momentum that he would have had after, if you would have been able to get a first-round finish, three first-round finishes, uh, I think it would have been five or six in a row in terms of first-round finishes, just mowing through guys in the first round. A lot to gain for Terrence McKinney, but he's a young guy. And if you look at that kind of a win over, uh, uh, that kind of a loss to a guy like Drew Dober, he probably learned a lot. I mean, he's a guy's 27 years old. He's got a lot of time left in the sport. He completely ran out of gas. And I, I, I keep forgetting whether or not it was him who I spoke to, I think it was him, where I said he was going eight rounds of sparring in the gym to try to work up his gas tank and prepare himself for the later rounds. But, uh, yeah, he just, if you want to talk about Ankalaya being economical with his, his energy, I mean, Terrence McKinney was the opposite. But you can't really blame him. I mean, you got you have a really tough guy in Drew Doberhurt, well-coached, well-trained, veteran of the game. You see that opening, you got to take it. Like, I know that he could have probably pumped the brakes a little bit, but you've been beating everybody in the first round. With this kind of a, a fighting style, you've got Drew Dober hurt. You've dropped him twice. You've taken him down. I mean, there's... I can't blame him for trying to seize that opportunity and seize the day there. I think he'll learn a lot from that loss. And I, I'm excited to see what Terrence McKinney brings to the table next. And Drew Dober saying a five-round fight night bout with uh, Bobby Green would be interesting. I I agree. I agree. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Alex Pereira defeats Bruno Silva by unanimous decision. Now, before the event started, I said Pereira by decision at plus 850 is a good play if you want some value because if these guys respect each other's power, maybe they will, will you know, be a little bit more reserved. Now, they weren't reserved. They threw, they threw a lot at each other and hit each other with big shots, but both 
We're standing at the end of the 15-minute duration, and Alex Pereira gets the unanimous decision win. 30-27, across the board. I thought you could have given Silva, I think, the second round. But, uh, oh, no, actually, no, I, I don't think so, actually. It was the first round that I think was fairly close. But Pereira wins all three rounds, gets it done. Good performance for him. Excited to see what uh, is next for him. Dana White was on Logan Paul's podcast, and one of the hosts, I can't remember if it was Logan Paul or, or someone else, I think it might have actually been Logan, said, like, who's the baddest man in, who's, like, the most dangerous guy in the UFC? And Alex Pereira's name came up. So the fact that he's on Dana White's radar, the fact that Dana White knows that he's beaten Israel Adesanya twice in kickboxing, I think that speaks volumes, and I think that Pereira might be two wins away from getting to a title fight. Like, I don't think that's a stretch to say that him at 36 years old, or 34 years old, rather, trying to make some noise while he's early in his UFC career. If you match him up against the right guys, guys like Bruno Silva, who are really good strikers, you know, maybe you're able to get Alex Pereira some big wins and uh, have him face Israel down the road. And I think that's a fight that Israel would probably want. I asked him about that when I spoke to him prior to his bout with Whitaker. And he said, you know, Pereira's not there yet, but he'd, he'd be interested. Uh, Matthew Semmelsberger defeats A.J. Fletcher. This was a fun fight. It, they didn't give a, a Fight of the Night award for this one. They gave four performance of the night bonuses. But had they given a Fight of the Night bonus, I think it would have gone to this fight. Great back-and-forth action. Fletcher, fantastic first round, close to a 10-8. Ended up being a 10-9 on all three scorecards, which I, I can see. Uh, and then Semmelsberger wins a very close second round. He kind of pulled away at the end of that round. And then in the third round, it was all Semmelsberger. So he gets a... A really solid win over a tough, young challenger in A.J. Fletcher. J.J. Aldrich defeats Jillian Robertson. This is how I thought this fight would go. I thought that if Aldrich was able to control the distance, thwart the takedowns, that she'd really be able to have her way with Robertson on the feet. That's how it played out. Um, I took the over in this fight. And my explanation was, I think more often than not, Aldrich wins this fight by decision. But hey, you may as well kick for coverage, protect yourself on a Robertson, uh, sorry, Robertson, um, Decision win, get the value there, because Aldrich winning by decision was like plus 110, and fight going to the decision was minus 120. You may as well just, you know, protect yourself, a little bit of insurance plan. And it, it did go the, to a decision, and J.J. Aldrich won on all three scorecards, which I think is the correct scorecard there. Javid Basharat defeats Trevin Jones, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. Now, I had given the second round to Jones. He had a very successful round, but I had picked Basharat to win inside the distance. And when I make a TSN edge pick. I think sometimes, and this is why I'm not a professional judge and not sitting cage side, sometimes I, I overcorrect the steering wheel. Like if I think that, I don't want people to believe that I'm biased, that when I'm scoring these fights that I'm biased, it actually ends up being a reverse bias because I, I, I when I make these picks, I'd like them for them to win. I mean, it, it looks good if we have winning picks over a TSN edge. So sometimes if a fighter who is on the opposite side of one of my picks has a successful round. Maybe I'll value that a little bit more than I should. But either way, right guy won. Basharat wins unanimous decision. Looked really good. It's his first uh, fight that went to the scorecards. Was good for all three rounds. Looked solid. Eager to see him again. I think he's going to be a player in that division. Damon Jackson defeats Kemwella Kirk. And man, when Damon Jackson is on, he is tough to stop. And uh, this was a bad matchup. I, I should have seen this one uh, from a mile away. Instead, I... Uh, I think I picked Kirk. I didn't make a bet or anything or, or a recommended player or anything like that. But I, I thought that Damon Jackson looked phenomenal. I mean, Jackson by submission was like plus 
30 or something. I should have gone. Like, when you see guys that, or, or, or female fighters that predominantly win by submission and you get a good value line on that, and I'm going to talk about that for this weekend's card run, there's one that I think is a total no-brainer in terms of the odds. I, I think you got to take it, and I, I, I wish I would have for Damon Jackson uh, as a TSN edge play because I'm always considering Damon Jackson by sub. He's just that good. He's slick. Uh, one person that I don't think a lot of people thought was going to get a sub is Miranda Maverick, who submits Sabina Mazzo uh, via rear naked choke in the second round. Now, Mazzo today was removed from the UFC fan ranking pool. And usually if your name is no longer in the fan ranking pool, it means you're no longer with the promotion. So I don't know if, I don't know if her contract expired or if she was released by the promotion. But I still think she has a bright future. She just really needs to work on her ground game. I think on the feet, she can hang with a lot of fighters. Um, I even think Maverick would have been probably would have beaten her even if this went to the feet because I think Maverick was uh you know you know is a a superior fighter at this juncture than Mazo. I think Mazo's got a lot of room for growth. But uh Maverick gets a rear naked choke submission in the second round. Great win for her. And she kind of said I used to be considered this grappler when I entered the UFC. When I was with Invicta, I was a grappler. Now everybody thinks I'm a striker, but I can do both. And yeah, she proved it there. She took the path of least resistance by taking Mazo down. A solid win for her. Cody Brundage. Now this was one of the best comebacks of the year so far. He was getting demolished by Dolce Lunjambula. Uh, it was probably a 10-8 round. Um, had the round ended before this submission, that's a 10-8 round. One-way traffic. Landed tons of blows. Brundage turns the tables. Lunjambula gets tired, shoots a, a sloppy takedown. Brundage grabs the neck. A guillotine, first round, 341. A great win for Cody Brundage. Earned a performance bonus as a result. Uh, Well-deserved. Guido Canetti defeats Chris Moutinho in the first round. Man, Canetti, Canetti, this guy's one of the best first-round fighters out there. I mean, this guy always has his foot right on the gas, you know, gas pedal to the floor when Guido Canetti comes out in the first round. And Moutinho took uh, a lot of damage from Sean O'Malley in their last fight. I think he absorbed like almost 200 significant strikes. Canetti seemed to just have him wobbled, rattled, you could tell the processor wasn't working, and Kennedy gets a stoppage. Oldest fighter in UFC history to win a bantamweight fight, Guido Kennedy. Light heavyweight uh, opener, Azamat Mirzakhanov defeats Tafan Nchukwi. Flying knee 44 seconds into the third round. He might have been down on the cards in that one. Um, I'd have to go and look, but um seemed like he was just... His timing was off. He wasn't landing the big shots. Uh, Tafan Nchukwi, on the other hand, looked great. Um, and then Mirzakhanov landed a picture-perfect flying knee in the third round to get... Uh, win and a fight bonus as well. So the fight bonuses went to Song Yudong, Khalil Roundtree, Cody Brundage, and Azamat Mirzakhanov. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against any of those. I think you look at uh, Dober's comeback. I feel bad for him not getting a performance tonight. I'm sure they'll, they'll cut him a check, but all four of those were fantastic wins. All right, let's move on to this weekend's card. We've got the UFC heading back across the pond to the United Kingdom. London, O2 Arena. Should be a, a fantastic atmosphere there. A lot of the most popular fighters, save for probably Darren Till on this card. Really exciting matchmaking. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really stoked for this card. I think there's a lot to like about UFC Fight Night, Volkov versus Aspinall. Uh, had the chance to speak to Dan Hooker, Patty Pimblett, uh, Paul Craig, and Muhammad Mokhaev for the TSN MMA Show interview edition. So feel free to 
check that out. That should be out uh, at a pretty similar time as this particular podcast. So you can check out those interviews on the fantastic interview edition that we release each and every week. I thought last week was a very strong interview edition. This week, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. You can always... Always makes me forget how good the interviews are. I was upstairs. I was talking to my wife. She goes, how'd, how'd your interviews go? I go, I barely remember doing them. I feel like it went okay. You can judge for yourself. If they were terrible, please send me a note. And I'll try to do better for you. Volkov versus Aspinall. I'm surprised that Volkov's the underdog here. You, you have to go with the proven versus the unproven. And uh, I think that Volkov has proven that he is not an easy guy to finish. He's gone five rounds, no problem. Full cardio. Aspinall, on the flip side, is he's finishing almost all of his fights in the first round. And if he can't put you out in the first round, he tends to get tired. He, you know, judging from his fights in the UFC, all wins have been finishes. Second round, at 1 minute and 9 seconds against Arlovsky, is his latest finish. In fact, it might be the latest finish. I think it's the latest finish of his career. It's the only time he's won outside of the first round. That being said, the wins were against Jake Collier, who had just moved up to heavyweight. Collier's looked good since. Alan Baudot, who I don't believe is in the UFC anymore. Um, Andre Arlovsky, of course, is a longtime veteran. Great win for him. He tends to be the guy where if you can beat Arlovsky, it shows that you belong in the upper echelon of the heavyweight division. And uh, Sergey Spivak, who looked great against Greg Hardy the other day. Um, great win for him there. I think that Volkov is an entire tier above Spivak. And guys like Arlovsky. I think that he is a top five bona fide heavyweight who is one of the toughest matchups in the division. Because if you don't put him out, he's going to exhaust you. Now, he's ranked number sixth right now. But let's let's take a look down the ladder. I mean, Francis, of course, is the champion. Cyril Gaon said that Volkov was the toughest matchup he'd ever had. And that was prior to his belt with Francis. Uh, Stipe hasn't fought in some time, but still deserves to be ranked uh, number two in the division. You could even make a case number one. Uh, Tai Tuivasa, ranked number three. He's earned that designation after that knockout win over Derek Lewis. Curtis Blades, number four. Blades uh, beat Volkov, definitely deserves to be ranked above him. And Derek Lewis, who Volkov had beaten up until he didn't. <laughs> I think Lewis beat him with three seconds left in the third round or something along those lines. Threw, uh, threw hammers at him, and Volkov got, got clipped. But that's, that's the tier that Volkov is on. I think once you go beyond Volkov, you go to Rosenstrike, Dacus, Tybura, Shamil Abdurakhimov, Aspinall, Sakai, etc. Everything from Volkov down, that's like Tier 2. And I think that Tom Aspinall needs to prove that he's a Tier 1 guy, and it's, it's really difficult to break into that tier because you need to beat a guy like uh, a Volkov to get there. And who are the people that have beaten Volkov in the UFC? Cyril Gaon, Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis. That's endless. Now, you look at the people that Volkov's beaten, it's not a who's who. He, his best wins were... Fabricio Verdum, and this this was 2018 for Fabricio Verdum, a good, really good version of Fabricio Verdum. Um, Greg Hardy, Walt Harris, who he finished. Walt Harris was a guy that wasn't typically getting finished prior to that much. Uh, Alistair Overeem, who he finished, second round. That's a big win. That was Overeem's last UFC fight. And most recently, Marcin Tybura, who's a, a really tough opponent, and uh, that was a pretty easy decision win for Volkov. Uh, I think Volkov is going to get the win here. And I think that if you want to look at some props, uh, I'll be recommending these for my TSN Edge picks. I think Volkov round three, round four, round five. You've got to take all those. Round three is 1,500. Round four is 1,800. Round five is 2,500. I think that if he wins this fight, it's going to be a late stoppage win. 
I don't think it's going to be a decision. I think that eventually he'll tire Aspinall out. Um, because if you look at the odds here, the over two and a half rounds is minus 175. So the odds makers believe that this is going to end sometime between, uh, I mean, the over one, three and a half and over and under three and a half is even money, basically. So they believe it's going to go up until about midway through the fourth round. If that's the case, you got to lean Volkov. He's shown that he has the gas tank. He's got the cardio. Even though this is in the UK, where Aspinall is going to have the, the crowd behind him, everybody's looking for a good story here. And it would be a great story if Aspinall wins, but that's not how fights ha- work. Fights don't work around great stories. They work around the, the, the more talented fighter that night, the, the, the better fighter that night. And I think Volkov is, is the better fighter right now. So we'll see. I could be wrong. I know Michael Bisping recently said he believes Aspinall is going to be the next... Uh, if, if you eliminate Leon Edwards from the fold, he said he believes that Aspinall has title um, potential, championship potential. So if that's the case... Hey, maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, but I think that if you get Volkov at underdog money, you got to take Volkov. Call me to Al- Arnold Allen, minus 120. Dan Hooker, plus 100. This should be a fun one. Um, I do think, though, that it goes to the scorecards. The odds of it going to a decision is about minus 155. I actually think there's good value there. I don't think there's going to be a finish in this fight. I might parlay that with something. But uh, I think this goes to a decision. Arnold Allen's fights tend to be close, but he usually is able to pull ahead of uh, fighters that he's better than. That could happen here. I'm eager to see what Dan Hooker looks like at 145. Uh, interesting fight. I don't really have... Uh, I, I wouldn't really take a side in this one, but I do think fight goes to a decision has some value. I think that that's how, more often than not, this fight goes. When was the last time Arnold Allen got a stoppage? Uh, let me let me take a look. Because Arnold Allen doesn't typically get stoppages. Uh, I don't think he's going to be easy to stop either. So I think that if you're looking at it from the Dan Hooker perspective... I think Hooker's really good at uh, getting finishes. He's a he's a finisher, but I, I think he tends to finish fighters that get into um, firefights with him. And I don't think Arnold Allen's going to be that guy. Uh, Arnold Allen, since joining the UFC, has two submission wins, both coming in the third round. Uh, so typically goes to a decision. I think that's what's going to happen here. That's that's the way that I would look at this one. I'd probably parlay it with maybe a decision in McCann versus Carolina. That might be a, a pretty safe one. Let's see. What what are the odds on that? Fight goes decision minus 300. I think if you parlay those, you're probably doing okay. Patty Pimblet taking on Kazula Vargas. Now this, you know, people call fights show, showcase fights. I think this is about as close to a showcase fight as you're going to get. you got Vargas, who's 36 years old, taking on a fighter nearly 10 years his mind, his uh, younger than him. In Patty Pimblett, a guy that they're really trying to push. I think that Patty Pimblett is somebody that they would like to see have success, especially at the O2 Arena. That said, Kazula Vargas is coming over a good win over over uh, Rong Zhu. That was a that was not an easy fight to win, and Rong Zhu is another guy much younger than him. Unanimous decision win. Uh, that was last April, about a year ago almost. It's it's. Interesting. This is an interesting fight because I don't think that it's as, as big a slam dunk as a lot of people believe it, it to be. I don't think that minus 510, you're, you're going to be... Uh, that's going to be a very safe thing to watch. The Pimblet submission line, plus 180, not bad. Pimblet inside is minus 175. Yeah, that, there's this fight could go a lot of ways. I'm staying away from it, but uh, I don't even know if it's dog or pass, but I'm... Uh, I'm passing. This is pass or pass for me. <laughs> I, I want to see what Pimblet can do against 
against Kazula Vargas because he's not going to be an easy out, in my opinion. Another big underdog, Takashi Sato. Short notice assignment against Gunnar Nelson. Nelson minus 475, Sato minus uh, plus 350. I'm actually taking the underdog here. I think Sato is going to be able to find a win here. He's been training at Sanford MMA. Long layoff for Gunnar Nelson. Last time Gunnar Nelson fought was in September of 2019. So we're talking two and a half years. Whereas since he last fought, Takashi Sato has fought uh, twice. Close to three times. I think I think they fought around the same time in 2019. Sato ha- did not fight in 2021, but uh, now he's he's back. He's been training at Sanford MMA. Really, really skilled room of fighters. I think that there's just good value on uh, on Sato here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it could be decision, could be KO. I don't know, but I think it's a dog or pass. I I, I just can't feel comfortable laying minus 475 on Gunnar Nelson on a two and a half year layoff where he's coming off back-to-back losses. Now those losses, I should add, he's one and three in his last four, but those losses to Ponzinibbio, Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns, elite guys at 170 pounds. So uh, eager to see what he's able to do here. But again, a long layoff, a guy training with really tough guys at Sanford MMA, 31 years old in his prime. I, I like the Sato side here in terms of uh, value. Molly McCann, minus 135. Luana Carolina, plus 115. Carolina's a solid fighter. Uh, it seems like Molly McCann is in all of these kind of closely lined matchups. But I think she wins a decision here. You don't get great value on the McCann decision. Uh, it's plus 110. But I think that's how this one goes. I might parlay the over in this fight. Uh, or the fight goes to decision in this fight. With the fight goes to, to a decision in... Hooker versus Arnold Allen. Haven't decided on that one yet, but I, I'm, I'm leaning in that direction. Ilya Tapuria taking on Jay Herbert, or Jai Herbert, I guess it's pronounced. Big favorite, minus 550. Jai Herbert, plus 400. I think that Tapuria ends up winning this fight. The Tapuria submission is plus 110. Tapuria inside the distance, minus 225. Not a whole lot of value on this fight. Um, I do think he is able to find the finish in this one. Uh, the decision prop is plus 500 if you think it can can go... Long. I mean, this is a guy moving up from 145 pounds, uh, trying to put someone out. His uh, victories in the UFC, first round KO over Ryan Hall, first round KO over Damon Jackson, and a decision win over Yusuf Zalal. So that's the only other time he's been to a decision. But uh, interesting. I mean, I think if you look at the decision, probably there's some solid value there. But uh, that that might be the only angle I would recommend for this one, if you want to just kind of throw a, a bit of a dart there. Um, what about the round props? Topuria round two at plus 350. Eh, might be worth a stab, but uh, probably a pass for me overall. Sergey Pavlovich minus 305. The comeback on Shamil Abdurakhimov plus 240. I think Pavlovich finds a KO here at some point in time, but it's minus 200 for Pavlovich by KO. So pass, 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 pass. Abdurakhimov is tough, but. Uh, uh, this is a stay away from me. I don't think Abdurakhimov wins this fight, though. I think the Pavlovich finds a win. If you want to parlay him with somebody, I think that's probably your best bet. What's like a big money? What, like, if you were to parlay him with Pavlovich, does that pay anything? Let's take a look. The Pavlovich and Topuria parlay pays minus one seventy six. I mean, I could I could parlay those with the uh, fight goes to a decision. Then you got plus one sixty. So maybe I'll do that. We'll see. Maybe I'll string together a four. 
a four-legger with uh, with that decision for Carolina Carolina and McCann. But Carolina, I don't know how many fights of Luana Carolinas have gone to a decision. I feel like a lot of her fights end inside the distance. I might be wrong on that. Let's take a look and see. Luana Carolina, never mind. She's only, in her last six fights, only one has ended inside the uh, distance. Let's continue down this card. You got Mike Grundy taking on Maquan Amir Khani. Grundy a minus 190 favorite. The comeback on Amir Khani plus 160. Uh, another fight that I think is kind of a pass. I think Grundy has good wrestling credentials, but so does Amir Khani. Uh, so I'll stay away from this one. Uh, the fight goes to the decision minus 200. I think that's likely what's going to happen, but it's a pass for me. Nikhil Krilov. Minus 190 against Paul Craig, plus 160. I think you have to take the Craig side here. And I think the Craig by submission of plus 450 is massive value. That's what I will be on for this particular fight. I'm sure I'm shocked that Paul Craig is an underdog here, honestly. I, I think that more often than not, he wins this fight. I'm really surprised by this line. So um, I like Craig. I like Craig by submission. And um, what, what are the round props? Craig by... Uh, where's the rounds? Craig wins in round one, plus 650. Might take a look at that. Might take a look at that. Good line there. Timur Valley of minus 120. Jack Shore, plus 100. I will be on the Jack Shore side here at plus 100. I think Jack Shore is an incredibly talented fighter. I think that if Valley have tried to take this one down, Shore is not going to fight that. I think Shore, off his back, is really talented as well. Got an array of chokes that he can throw uh, at any given time. But uh, Timur Valiev is a solid fighter as well. I, you know, I'm not taking anything away from him. But uh, he did get knocked out by Trevin Jones in a fight that has since been overturned. And if you look at the level of competition, I mean, the win over Rowney Barcelos, that's a really good win. And uh, his win over Bekbulat uh, Ma- uh, Magomedov in PFL, that, that's a solid win too. But hasn't fought the best of the best. And uh, not that Jack Shore has the best resume. He has wins in the UFC against Nohelen Hernandez, Aaron Phillips, Hunter Azure and uh, Ludwig Shulinian, who was supposed to be on this card, but is staying uh, in the in Ukraine to uh, for obvious reasons to defend his country. So uh, Jack Shore, I like Jack Shore here at plus one hundred. The Shore by submission at plus seven hundred. I will be taking some of that as well. I think that that's going to be a dart throw for me. In fact, if you parlay Shore by sub with Craig by sub, what does that pay? That might be a hail mary. Uh, long shot parlay that I, I put together. So you got plus 450 on the Craig side. You got Jack Shore by submission at plus 700. That's plus 4300. I will be recommending that. I know that's, again, long shot parlay, but I will be recommending that. Uh, Nathaniel Wood minus 335. Vince Morales plus 260. Morales taking the fight on short notice. Uh, I think that the Nathaniel Wood side is the right one here. If I go to the decision, is minus 110. Wood wins by decision is plus 150. Not a ton of value there. And uh, I think that Nathaniel Wood could win this fight inside the distance as well. Uh, Vince Morales is a solid fighter. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's coming off a nice KO win of his own, if I recall. Let's pull up Vince Morales here. Yeah, that sick KO against Louis Smolka on that hook. Looked really good in that fight. But uh, Nathaniel Wood is a solid fighter. Uh, I'm not taking anything in this fight. Uh, feel free to... If you want to parlay Nathaniel Wood, I, I wouldn't uh, discourage you from doing so. Um, I might be parlaying um, Muhammad Mukayev, actually, with uh, Pavlovich. Uh, we will see. But let's move on. 
Corey McKenna minus 250, Elise Reed plus 200. I think this line is probably this fight is probably aligned properly. The McKenna sub at plus 700, I would take a long look at. I think that is a potential outcome for this fight. Um, how many subs does Corey McKenna have in her career? Because she's a she's a solid fighter when it comes to control. Um, she's six and one in her career, but uh, does not have any. Uh, she has one submission win. Elise Reed to me is just like she she's a solid striker. She was in CFFC. Won the title there in a really controversial decision over uh, Jasmine Jasu Devicius, who uh, is, of course, in the UFC now. But uh, I think against McKenna, I think McKenna's going to take this fight down. I think she finds a sub. I think, again, really strong, solid value. If you want to, if you want to take a sub, three leg sub parlay, you take McKenna. Let's, let's see what that pays. If we really want to get crazy, we want to have a, if we really want to party here. You want to throw ten bucks on something? You parlay Craig. You parlay Jack Shore, all, all by sub, and you parlay McKenna by sub. And that pays plus 35,100. So, wow, that's 350 to 1. Is that right? 300? Am I, am I off on that? Is it 35 to 1? No, it's 350 to 1. So you bet 10 bucks on that, you win $3,500. There's your home run parlay of the night, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to. If you really want to throw a. Throw a Hail Mary. That's uh, what I would recommend. Mohamed Mukayev taking on Cody Durden. Mukayev a minus 350 favorite. Durden plus 270. Uh, Mukayev inside the distance is worth a look to me at minus 110. I think he's the superior fighter here. Uh, has a lot to prove going into his uh, UFC debut. Has incredible credentials going into this fight. Uh, Durden, solid fighter, but... Uh, I, I like the Mokayev side here. Here, I might just parlay him straight up because I, I think a decision is certainly not out of the conversation here. So um, there you have it. That's your preview for this weekend's UFC Fight Night card at the O2 Arena. I hope you enjoyed it. hope that you've learned something about these, uh, these wonderful fights coming up. Some other things to talk about. Patty Pimblett in a uh, hotel altercation with Ilya Topuria. Now, I think there's a reason why they're not making that fight. I think that's a little bit of a... Uh, a steep hill to climb for Patty Pimblett this early in his career. If you're trying to build up Patty Pimblett, you probably don't want to put him in there with Ilya Tapuria. They're on the same card in the same weight class. Hey, if they want to settle it, just change change the opponents. Probably not going to happen. Uh, some releases from the UFC. Greg Hardy. Uh, wouldn't say that he was released, but they uh, they did not renew his contract. Sabino Mazo, as I mentioned earlier, removed from the uh, UFC fan rankings. I don't know if her contract ended or if they uh, released her outright. And that Jared Gooden was released as well. Now, the question for me with Greg Hardy is, who, you know, what's next for him? A lot of people are saying Eagle FC, but, you know, he's represented by uh, first-round management who don't typically get along with a lot of the uh, individuals that run Eagle FC. Now, maybe they can put those differences aside, but I think the more likely home for Greg Hardy would be um, Bare Knuckle. I think BKFC would be the thing that would make the most sense for Greg Hardy. So that's where I would guess. If I was just going to wager a guess, if you said, if you're going to give me even money on where he's going to land, if you're giving me Bellator minus 110, you're giving me Eagle FC at minus 110, you're giving me BKFC at minus 110, I'm taking BKFC. If you give me the PFL at minus 110, whoever, any organization, I'm going to take the uh, BKFC as, as my guess. Um, any other news? Uh, Kevin Holland. We want to highlight his heroics. He was uh, at a restaurant 
I believe it was a sushi restaurant, and somebody entered and started opening fire, and uh, Holland and some others restrained him and uh, stopped there from being any uh, shooting deaths. So kudos to Kevin Holland. This is the second time where he's uh, stopped a crime from going down. Uh, mass respect. He's not just big mouth. You he, he can call him a big mouth, but he'll, he'll back it up, whether it's in the cage or uh, or in society as a whole. <laughs> so kudos to, uh, to Kevin for that. And uh, that's that's really it in terms of the big news. Uh, I'm I'm eager to see what happens this weekend. Uh, a little bit of a recap from this past week. We also had uh, Eagle FC. Diego Sanchez looked pretty good in the first round against Kevin Lee, but uh, the, the the story really to come out of that is that Kevin Lee took a, a pretty devastating kick in the very first strike of the fight that he says likely blew out his ACL. So uh, best wishes to Kevin Lee. I hope that uh, that's not the case and that he has a, a lot less of a recovery time. Uh, for hopefully a, a much more minor injury. Uh, Bellator had a fantastic main event. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, I would uh, highly recommend you watch um, the main event between Maz Brunel and Adam Boric. I think that was, uh, or Adam Boric, I think it's pronounced. That was an awesome fight, and uh, I think you should. It's definitely worthy of your time if you want to go back and watch a really good fight on that card. All right. I, I mentioned last week to Joe that I'm going to talk about Kayla Harrison coming back to the PFL. But I think if you listen to my interview with her from last week, I think that covered a lot of the ground there. And uh, also my interview with uh, PFL CEO uh, Peter Murray, I think, is certainly worth your time as well. So let's just leave it at that. Let's wrap this baby up. Next week, Joe will be back. We'll talk about uh, this card. We'll talk about Glory Kickboxing, uh, that that event that he is doing commentary for. Fantastic event. The rematch between Vasochek and uh, Badr Hari. Can't wait to watch that one. It's going to be on at the same time as the UFC. I'm going to have to be doing a little double duty for uh, that event. So looking forward greatly to that. Um, and that's a wrap. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Go to tsn.ca slash UFC for the interviews uh, of the fighters on this card, or you can listen to the TSN MMA Show interview edition, which will be available very soon. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.